Pencil Culture Puppets Props Puns Podcasts show to do over here all right hey with no i hate to be a producer here but hey ladies and gentlemen welcome back once again to cancel culture the pop culture magazine and here he is the one the only our mc and host mr john cancel hey you smelly nitwits out there uh i hope you guys are having a great time checking things out i have my new uh, my, my my smoking the bandit uh, Burt Reynolds, red cowboy shirt on there. Oh, and uh, but um, wait, you, yeah, you look like Gator. Okay, Burt Reynolds and Gator. Ugh. That's what he wore. And I wore a tie today, John. Uh, uh, you know, I'm the legendary wit. I I like to dress up and I like to collect things, but I got a tie here. Okay, that has Coca-Cola written in thirty different languages. Ooh. Okay. Coca-Cola, you thought that you were just a, uh, you know. I found a fact out about Coca-Cola. What's that? My red shirt here, too. There's somebody around the holidays named Santa Claus. Santa Claus. There's a big rumor going around that Santa Claus was originally in the Coca-Cola promotions. They, they, they developed the fat guy in the red suit with the white beard. Well, big lie. Big lie. There's depictions of Santa Claus in a red suit from 1853. Oh. So that's a complete lie. Just like the moon landing. Hey, anyway, everybody. Uh, well, you, you know, Coca-Cola, uh, you, you know, that uh, hits a spot. And since we are in the pop culture, it's a, uh, no. I, Coca-Cola I, yeah. was originally made with, too, with 100% yeah, real heroin. Yeah, I should hit you with this. but Why? Because it's a soft drink. Sorry, Pepsi Cola hits a spot. So... Check this out. Uh, we have a letter from a, a viewer. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Beth Rabbitface says... Hey, hi, Beth. Hi, Beth. Uh, Miss Beth Rabbitface, I think that's Peruvian. She's one of our subscribers. We want everybody to subscribe and hit that bell. Miss Beth, Beth Rabbitface writes in, uh, Hey, John and Wid, uh, we that's lost some major comedians recently. Did Wid ever encounter Richard Belzer? Uh, Richard Belzer was a scarecrow-looking guy with the sunglasses all the time and black hair and bad skin who was on several TV shows. And uh, he just recently passed away at the age of 78. And did you, did you ever run? You can be honest with you. It's a- I, I worked with him, yes, at the, uh, you know, at the Comedy Works at 126 Chestnut Street above the Middle East Restaurant. Back in the day. And uh, Belzer was thought of as, uh, you know, he broke a lot of the barriers. He pushed the envelope. And he was, uh, he was sort of an intellectual insult com- uh, comedian. You know, he would, uh, he would pick on somebody or ha- have, 
you know, have a lot of uh, crowd work. And uh, but he was always, uh, you know, he always had sort of a barrier between himself and the other people because he had to take that stand, which is a strange thing, because I think that he was one of the first comedians that I ever saw because he played at the community center. The first time he ever told jokes, you can look this up, in Cranford, New Jersey, okay? Right across from my, uh, you know, my, high, my church, uh, St. Michael's. In Cranford, New Jersey, there was a community center, and he opened for an artist named Buzzy Lindbergh, okay? As a porno star. No. Buzzy uh, wrote... Uh, you gotta have friends. Oh yeah, I know that guy. It's, it, yeah. it, the, the, it's Buzzy ben, Linhart. The, I'm sorry, I called him Buzzy Lindbergh, but uh, that's another. You know, I'm. I'm, I'm he but, uh, I'm gonna say this, and I met him a couple times when I was on. You can ask him if he if he was a douchey. Well, he. he but you, I'm a prop comedian, and and he has a famous quote that uh, a prop comedian is like carrying your brain around in a paper bag. Okay, that is actually uh you know one of his uh quotes and it it was sort of uh you know it was sort of like uh, i was like the anti-joke oh yeah because i did use pro i mean i was an antique dealer and a, a flea market guy and i just naturally fell into you know props and uh, yeah. i didn't care but you, and, you, and he was a little bit more of a uh you, you know he you was know, a slick new york guy who uh i don't think he liked me you know plus <laughs> you, you know you you the nail on the head too because like he wore sunglasses so there's always a wall between you. Don't, you don't know what he's thinking. Yeah. You, can, you couldn't see his eyes. And he was like lanky and black hair. But he, uh, uh, I went with one of my friends one time to open for him at the uh, Keswick Theater. I didn't, but I went with my friend who opened for him. Right. And it wasn't sold out. But it was, there was a couple hundred people there, right? But he did his... Uh, he's the one who came up with the phrase like, yeah, babe, right, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever you say, whatever you say, which he got mad at Dennis Miller because he thought Dennis Miller appropriated that. Wow. Yeah, yeah you got that right, cha-cha, right? Um, but uh, he, uh, so anyway, so he does his act, crowd work, so what's going on? And he, uh, But then he did a, like a Jack Benny impression. It was pretty good. Uh, but it was dated. This wow. is This is, this is, well, this is in the, 2000s or 90s, late 90s. And he's like, uh, Rochester, roll me a doobie. Like, like that, that's what it was. He was doing pot jokes. Like, hey, man, <laughs> don't bogart that J, Don. And it was just bleh, dated. But then he came out with a band and he impersonated Mick Jagger. And he was, he was skinny, just like Mick Jagger. And he looked just like him, put a wig on. And he's doing that Mick Jagger. He looked like a, a, a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. That, that, was his, uh, that was his famous bit. And, you know, I do it with an inner tube and uh, make his lips go mm-hmm. real big and, and like that. So, but, but I mean, Belzer was, uh, he, he was a pioneer, okay? He was a pioneer. And then he, he what an illustrious career well, he had. He had, you know, he had television shows of his own, okay, huh. for a little while where he got wrestled with. And then he, well, that's uh, what, oh, well, that's where we're going. Well, that, well, you know, he had a, a weird career because he was the house MC at the Casual Rising Store up in New York. From like right. the, when did it, when did it, like in the early which 70s. is a feeling of power. Yeah. You got You got to yeah. think about yeah. it, and well, you would want to keep uh, guys like myself who use props 
or uh, or he, guitar acts out of the uh, you know his, out of the you know oh, exactly right the guitar, you know the people they, uh, prop always oh, a guitar act oh, right but he uh, was the house MC at the Catch Carrot Top talks all about the prejudice that uh, oh my God. that uh, the prop comics get but but he you know, I don't care I knew I was getting into he he exactly well he was the house MC. Well, he also was the warm-up comedian on the first season or two of Saturday Night Live. He wasn't on camera. Um, and he just came out to talk to the crowd, worked them. Um, I read before that he was peeved because he didn't really hit, like, Belushi in his eyes in the 70s or George Carlin or Richard Pryor in the mid-late 70s. But then he started getting acting work. Uh, he was in the 1982 film or Night Shift with Henry Winkler, Ron Howard, I Michael Keaton, Shelley yeah. Long. Fun, very nice, fun movie. Night Shift. Yeah, right. Um, he's in it as, as a gangster. Who, who uh, directed it? Ron Howard. Ron right. Howard and yeah. directed Richard Belzer in yeah. Night Shift. But then if you go to his IMDb account, uh, he had, he's got a uh, hundred acting Parts like he's he he became an actor because if he had a unique look, he's in Scarface with Al Pacino, that Al Pacino movie, Scarface, where he has the accent Al Pacino. Uh, it's probably his most hammy acting for Al Pacino. Uh, but uh, well, he did, he, you know, he had a unique looking face, he was uh, yeah, uh, runny looking face, but uh, he um, but I read that he was a gaunt, yeah, gaunt. Um, and I've seen him in a million things, and you, you know, it's in small doses you could you could take of him. Um, well, anyway. In the in the in the eighties, when Mr. T and Muhammad Ali, uh, Mr. T and uh, Hulk Hogan uh, were at WrestleMania, which I think was WrestleMania three, they're promoting it and they had like a tag team against Roddy Piper and uh, Cowboy Bob Wharton, uh, and like or the Sibian match, what the photo for a Sibian, but they uh, uh well he they were on the USA Network, he had a show called Hot Properties. Right. To, to okay. Yeah, on the USA Network. Woo! Was that a while ago? Well, as of usual, you know these. You don't say to a big giant steroided out maniac uh-huh. uh, like Hulk Hogan or right. And he's like, of course he said, uh, you know, wrestling's fake, baby. Hulk Hogan goes, well, let me show you something. And he put him in a front, uh, like chokehold. And John knows. John knows about wrestling. Yeah. So it's Hulk Hogan who has like. 35-inch python arms, and they're just big. And and Richard Belzer's head's between here. And he's like, pick up, you know, I guess. Well, he picks him up, and he drops him. And Richard Belzer, it wasn't really a body slam. It was a chokehold that knocked him unconscious. Yeah. Well, he, he fell on the ground, and uh, he cracked his head open. And uh, he eventually just jumped up and said, hey, he'll come back. And he went to a commercial. But here he had to get stitches. I and- remember uh, I remember seeing that. And... Uh- and, and it was sort of like uh, a sensational thing because uh, it actually you and, actually saw him getting uh, you know and passing out you know you and, didn't see that you saw you well, know when I watched this live around the same time is when uh, consumer reporter John Stossel encountered Dr. D. David Schultz and in Mad Square Garden dressing room uh, the hallway right after uh-huh. a wrestling match so there's a guy all steroided out. All emotional and sweaty and energetic and what do you call it when you're uh, you're high on the adrenaline, right? So uh, John Stossel, who looked like Gerardo Rivera, curly hair and mustache. Right, I, I remember John. I was uh, he goes, New Yorker. He goes, you know, people say wrestling's fake. It is fake. It's cool. And T. David Schultz goes, it's fake. Is this fake? 
and smacked him in the head. He goes, this fake? And he smacked the guy on the airside. Well, he got a hearing loss. He was hurt by it. And well, the Richard Belzer thing happened like right around the same time. So anyway. I think Richard Belzer won a million dollars for well, that. At, at, well, he sued him for five, but he uh, he settled did, for one. No, I don't know what he got. I never, I never saw the dollar amount for the settlement. But what he did, Richard Belzer, he used that money to buy a land, a house, a manor in France. And he says, as a joke, he calls it uh, Shea Hogan, C-H-E-Z, because his name, it's the money Hulk Hogan paid him. And that's where he lived at. Oh, Shea Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where he lived at. And he came back and he would fill out, film Law and Order. But there's a very good drama that was really good on NBC called Homicide, Life on the Streets. Yeah. Baltimore. Very good. Written by like David Simon, who I think went on to, uh, some guys went on to The Wire, some guys went on to Sopranos. Just a really good five-year show of uh, detectives. It's, it's you know, NYPD Blue only in Baltimore. Well, they liked that character, De- De- Detective Munch. Oh, yeah. Didn't he do Munch in a, in a, in a well, couple shows? They brought him over to Law & Order. Yeah. He was on Law & SVU and then another Law & Order. But it's really funny. If you look up online, I think he, he has the record for playing the same character on like 38 different shows. He was on The wow. Simpsons. He was on The X-Files. Uh, they did a puppet version of him on Sesame Street. Um, a bunch of shows. And he just paid the lanky guy. Like, he, he's the cop who interviews you. And it was so funny. It's, it's got to be 30, 30, at least 30 appearances on other shows as the character. Um, and I always thought that was really neat. But uh, he left the show in 2016. I think he moved to France full-time in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife... They're mean over in France, too, you know. Are they mean? Oh, I, that's what all the rumor is, that the, the French are very rude. Oh, they yeah. They don't like, uh, you know, they don't like us fat Americans. Yeah. Uh-huh, right? And, uh, well, his wife uh, was a star of softcore adult romance videos. Lady Chatterley, Lady Chatterley's lover, Lady Chatterley gets a Sibian. Uh, she's in all these... Uh, she, she made this little Chatterley meets the three Stooges. Yeah, and uh, but he passed away. Uh, and, you know, I he was groundbreaking in, in the smart alecky Dennis Miller, David Spade type thing, like the smart ass running commentary. Uh, and but you know, it's where I will say this though: everything I read about him, uh, they all say he was a super nice guy. Um, he also too he had a tattoo. He was obsessed with Jerry Lewis, and he has the Jerry Lewis, uh, the, the the what do you call it, the caricature from the Jerry Lewis telephone on his arm right there, right? And it's, he actually got a tattoo of that. It's There's not, a great picture of him and Jerry, like you know, you know he's just like oh uh, yeah, Jerry Lewis, you and know. Jerry Lewis has a glass. You can tell, you know. Oh. Well, uh, I think he died in '92 or '94 as uh, Sam Kinison, okay. Mm-hmm. At Sam Kinison's funeral, people got there. Yeah, you know, they were sad because the way he died in a car accident and stuff, and they had a memorial for him. People were speaking, right? Right. Uh, Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. Okay. Or Billy Gibbons. I think it was Billy Gibbons. Billy Gibbons. <laughs> but big, right. oh, yeah. oh, which one? The one with the beard. <laughs> right? I think it was Billy Gibbons. Uh, he was dressed. Or an Italian grandma. He was dressed uh, like I'm sort of dressed with, with, with a white shirt, a, a shiny black thing, a black ZZ Top hat, right? And and right, and he spoke at Sam Kinison's funeral, right? Yeah. Richard Belzer was the MC of the funeral, and he gave a very touching, moving eulogy. Eulogy. This is Dust, Dusty Hill. 
Well, Billy Gibbons. Billy Gibbons. Billy Gibbons gave a very touching story about how he was friends with Sam Kinison. They, it was very touching and sad and stuff, right? Texas guys. Yes. Texas. I remember he's dressed all in black with a big long beard. Right. When he's done, Richard Barzer goes up and says, "Thanks, Rabbi." <laughs> and said the whole place just exploded because he called him a Texan rabbi. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, well, that's New York humor. You know, it's a lot of uh, based on, uh, you, you know, Jewish uh, humor. Okay. Mm. Oh. And uh, that's how it's brought up. And and to say that was, uh, that, yeah. that's a natural for. Oh, definitely. Quick witted, very funny. Uh, always an interesting interview. You know, it was weird, though. <laughs> the guy who started Catch a Rising Star also passed away this week. Rick Newman passed away the next day. Uh, up in, he, he was probably very elderly too, but he started the Catch a Rising Star. Uh, and also, too, people got to remember this too. The Catch a Rising Star was not started as a comedy club. It was a, the next star, and well, nice. It was mostly a comedy club, but like, uh, hit me your best. Pat Benatar started there. I think uh, maybe maybe uh, Bette Midler singers, uh, uh, opera people, with opera uh, Broadway stars would come in and sing songs. But then it became a comedy club. Uh, nationwide chain, our friend Kevin. Kevin Kearney, he uh, he it? ran it, and he introduced me to, uh, I hung around uh, uh, with Rick Newman and uh, Kevin Kearney, and uh, Rick Newman didn't own it so uh, uh, anymore. He, uh, he had sold it uh, to somebody, and so he wasn't, uh, you know, we were just like a couple of guys out to uh, have, uh, you know, drinks and, uh, and hang around with each other, and uh, and uh, Rick was very, very nice, and he was easy to talk to. Uh, he, uh, I said, did you know that? Uh, of course he knew. I said, you got that from Perry Como. And, and he goes, yes, I did. And it was Catch a Rising Star, Catch oh, a Falling Star, uh, yeah, same song, Catch yeah. a Falling Star, and put it in your pocket. And he turned that around to Catch a Rising Star. And uh, that's, yeah. that's how he got his name. But it was actually a Perry Comover, I mean, a Perry Comer, a, a Perry Como song that was a hit, you know, catch a, catch a, that catch was a, a falling song. star, oh. right? Um, uh, and he uh, he also uh, we, he collected things by Billy Rose. Look him up. Billy Rose was the uh, he was a big producer. He was the one married to Fanny Bryce, the funny girl back in the day. Big time producer, writer, wrote uh, a, a, wrote a couple of songs, but. Uh, that's what uh, Newman collected. He collected uh, stuff from that. And I knew about that because of, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I love the old stuff. And I, so we were able to talk about that and uh, no when, attitude. It was kind of fun. When I first started doing comedy, I, I uh, used to MC at the Catch a Rock Star in Princeton, which was a very good room because like I'm New Yorkers would come down. They could do Catch in like, Connecticut. But the one in Princeton was right down the turnpike from New York City. And they, they loved doing it. And uh, I was there, and it was a very, when I did it, it was like every show, every night of the week, except when, like Mondays. You, you worked a lot. And, uh, and uh, I know, I don't, I don't think he was the owner then, but he stopped out there. He was in town for something. And I, it was a great, kind of a grayish beard, uh, very nice guy. But it was, a, that, I, I just, I don't know, I said hi to him, but I don't think he was owner at the time. But it was a very neat club uh, across the nation. It was there, Catch a Rising Star in Princeton. Now, when I played there, okay, you got to stay over, you got to right. eat in the uh, employees' lounge. This is a Hilton, you know, and it was a, a beautiful Hilton uh, in uh, in Princeton. And one night, 
uh, I came to check on my props in the showroom, and a whole bunch of them were missing. Like my, you know. Sombrero. My sombrero, my golf clubs, my things like this. And I, I, I ran to the security, and security took me in the back of uh, the check-in, and they had cameras there. And wouldn't you know it, a parade of kids, okay, not little kids, you know, teenager and maybe, you know, in their early 20s, they all had my stuff on. All sorts of, you know, like a kid wore the sombrero, had my Captain Crunch doll, had like different, uh, you know, props that I use. And I go, well, we know where they are. Let's go get them. John, they wouldn't let me go get them because their father had rented out an entire wing of the Hilton in Princeton and was a rich dude. And these kids must have been overprivileged and took the legendary Wids Uh. props and stole them right from them. Of course. Fortunately, there was a sombrero hut store next door (laughs) and golf clubs. Don't. Give me the hi hat. Uh, no, exactly. No, I and I. No way. But, but <laughs> it was the first time that I ever saw security footage. Oh, really? Okay. And I, uh, you know, and I was I was completely blown away about how they could zero in on you and stuff like that. Oh, man, I said, they, "Look, that girl got my, uh, you know, my basket over here," yeah. and they were doing that. But they were all dressed up and they were drinking and uh, throwing things in the air and it oh. was, it, well. That's I a, cried. Now, I, uh, also, too, I just got in reading the book with uh, the other guy from the improv, Bud Freeman. He just passed away about Bud three months Freeman. ago. Uh, right? Now, yeah. uh, uh, in the book I read, too, Bud Freeman. Is Bud this, Friedman. Is this picture on there? Bud Friedman is the fellow Wait, that you're hold down. See. There's a glare. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. There's a glare on it. There's a guy with glasses there. With, not with a glasses, oh, yeah, with right a there. monocle. He's right there. Right there is a monocle in a cartoon form, and a right he, there. yes, he was the Iron Hand that ran well, the Hollywood. Uh, it, well, he started the, the improv Hollywood he, he improv, went, but um, he got along with Rick Newman. You thought there'd be there'd be like mortal enemies? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure he did. I, that you know, did, did you ever meet him? Yes, unfortunately, you, uh, because this he, is Bud Friedman. He's talking Bud about. Friedman. The improv guy. Everybody loved him, you know, and so, you know, and ever that. I don't know how much of it was. He wore a monocle. But because I am a prop comedian, he hated me from the beginning and tried to sabotage. I won a, uh, I won a contest uh, by the Johnny Walker people, and he tried to sabotage that and not let me on. So all the finalists from around the country went up to Boston, to Nick's up in Boston, mm-hmm. upstairs at Nick's, and uh, out of the uh, all the, they put me on last, okay? I was the 101st one that went on in front of these judges who were from the Johnny Walker uh, that was company. And uh, they, uh, and when they saw me, they went crazy, and they gave me, uh, you know, all, all sorts of accolades and things like that. I didn't come in tenth, you know, and and I know that the you know oh, that, the fix is in. But he saw me and he cursed me every time for having the name legendary, which I didn't even give myself. Which is, which is you a, know? It's a joke, no, like a legendary wit. And he would go, "How dare you call yourself legendary? All these people have put it up for years, and, and, and legendary <laughs> people like 
Bob Hope, our legendary, and, and giving me a lecture about how I was disrespectful to the entire showbiz community because I had the name legendary. Yeah, like, okay. re- like Reverend Bob Levy. Yeah, those circumstances didn't give uh, the amazing Jonathan any shit. Amazing Jonathan, legendary weird. But he would go out of his way. But his wife, uh, Silva, mm-hmm. okay, who was in the, uh, she was in the chorus company of a little uh, show called The Pajama Game. Okay, Bob Fosse uh, did it and everything. And Bud was a backstage Johnny. Okay, where the, a backstage Johnny is somebody who, uh, you know, tries to make dates with the uh, chorus girls, okay? And uh, Bud went backstage and uh, met Silva, and they, uh, they were married for a while, and they opened up uh, the improv as, uh, yeah. you know. And the improv, too. A little hole out. in the wall, it, and it, it was like a, uh, the like rest a, is history. Like a 60-seat uh, restaurant room with checkered tables and stuff. But he sold her his money in that, and that, and they they eventually got divorced. And I think he let her keep the improv in New York, and he got the improv he, in Los Angeles. He kept the one in Los Angeles, yeah. and she kept the one in uh, uh, well in, in New York. But she was uh, a lot nicer to me. She understood uh, that. Uh, well, I auditioned for her one time. She tried to reopen the improv at some some restaurant. Yeah, I remember that. And we had to go in for uh, auditions. And it was like on a Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock in the middle of the day with no audience, just her sitting there, sitting there. And she's like, okay, you get three minutes, right? And she had a keychain with a flashlight on it to give you the light. And, you know, there's a point you gotta say, F this, screw this, this isn't gonna work. And you're, I'm in line there with weirdos or a big chubby Rubenesque girl who says things like, Mm, my mother says you should meet Mr. Wright. I only met Mr. Wright God who should use because he stinks. Like jokes like that. My therapist says, do, 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 Sibian. It's just. So what that. happened at the audition? I, I, you know, I, you know it's funny, funny too. I think I did pass it, right? Because I think there's like, there's only like six people showed up for the audition and that was it. I was one of them. But the room never opened up. You know, it was like, like, yeah. it's like don't tell mamas up or something up in New York. Oh, it was eternal, yeah. complete yeah, mess. I remember um, that. But with, I played there a couple times. Don't I tell played, Mama, or uh, impro- I sang uh, at Don't Tell Mama. Uh, yeah. Don't Tell Mama was uh, probably uh, you know, uh, and I, I like to sing, so it didn't uh, you know, uh, I yeah. wasn't that affected uh, by the. Uh, so Richard Bowser passed away. This guy passed away. Also, too, I see people like freaking out and crying online. Our generation, they're, they're dying. They're in their late seventies. What do you think is going to happen? Cindy Williams went to heaven. Uh, and we are so aware Fogler of these people. We're so aware of these people because we are, uh, we have become creatures of pop culture and the television age, which a lot of these, uh, you know, people who are, are dying uh, were sort of uh, in the early days of that. And that's what, you know, we oh. were bought up on and we baby boomers. I just saw a picture of Beaver from Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. He's, I don't think he's maybe 70. Oh my God. He looks about like, he had a long paper route. You know, I, I met him, uh, and I met him and Wally. They were signing autographs at a uh, opening of a mob-run uh, really? th- uh, theater in uh, Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Okay? Yeah. It has since closed. It's in weird, mag- uh, weird, but, if you yeah. Can find, well, that's, that's probably the early 80s. If you can find it, you put uh, Jerry Mathers today. Yeah. I was like, yeah, right? Um yeah, he's just gotten old looking, and uh, 
Uh, I, well, we're so used to seeing him for years and years as, uh, you know, the eternal youth of television yeah. that keeps you in there. And he was always little beef. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but this yeah. shows all uh, crazy or, or, or our knowledge of uh, weirdo TV and celebrity stuff. And I, uh, we talk about this stuff and we talk, talk about anything you guys want to talk about. If you email us and hit the little bell there, whatever is that over there, uh, Ding. Yes, uh, and we'll notify you of our super shows here. Check us out on YouTube, and you can listen to the Cancel Culture podcast on all formats. Apple Podcasts, everywhere else. And with... Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Cancel Culture. <laughs>